Want to go ahead and read the thing? All right, here we go. We've never actually seen them, the two most feared lions in Kenya. We can see their pelts stretched across a taxidermist structure in the Field Museum of Chicago. We can see their maneless jaws, their restored teeth, but their skins are just suspended over a framework, not supported by rippling muscle able to propel the lion forward at 50 miles per hour, able to swing claws with enough force to shatter a zebra's spine or behead a human, able to make their jaws clamp down with enough bite force to turn bones to powder. Most of all, we can't see their eyes, eyes that are now made of glass, but once glittered and glowed in the dark of firelight as they moved silently through work encampments, hauling away person after person to be brutally killed and messily devoured. Eyes that would watch you from between blades of grass waiting for their moment to strike. Eyes that would be the last things a worker ever saw before the flashing of terrible tusk-like teeth and the animal fear of knowing that you were now back in the food chain. In 1898, in the modern coast province of Kenya, in a beautiful land with the snaking Tsavo River where elephants, giraffes, and gazelles graze, a pair of lions single-handedly brought the construction of a railway to a stop, a pair of lions that were so feared by the people they hunted that they believed they were not lions at all, but vengeful spirits sent to kill them with rage and malice, and given their behavior, it's understandable. They called them the darkness and the ghost, and they killed between 30 or over 100 people over the course of their nine-month reign of terror. On this episode of Relative Disasters, the Tsavo Lions. Yikes. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my sister and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Greg, Chief Railway Analyst for Relative Disasters Hor- Histor- uh, Take that again. I'm Greg, Chief Railway Analyst for Relative Disasters Historical Trains Project. And I'm his sister Ella, Large Cat Handler at Relative Disasters Intellectual Circus. Awesome. That sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of mental work, a lot of physical sure. work, but uh, we get there. We get there. It's a good show. All right. Well, these are not friendly lions. Uh, in order to understand these attacks, we're going yeah. to start at the beginning. And okay. since Kenya's got a good claim to be the literal beginning of humanity, let's start there. Sure. Our main sources for this episode are an article from the Smithsonian Magazine, the Chicago Field Museum website article, and the first-hand account of Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson in his book, The Man-Eaters of Tsavo. Boy, really not holding anything back with that title. You know what you're getting. Oh, there's more to the title. <laughs> there's more to the title. I'm just leaving it out. Okay. So... Kenya, located on the eastern coast of the continent of Africa, mm-hmm. is the cradle of human civilization. Homo sapien first emerged in this region of the world, and evidence discovered in 2018 shows the first emergence of human behavior such as trade, toolcraft, and pigment making about... Th- all the good stuff. Yep, all the, all the stuff you need, about 320,000 years ago. So we've been living there for a long time, is what I'm saying. Yeah. By the first century CE, the major cities of Mombasa and Zanzibar were established as important locations in the region, and they traded with the Arabic peoples, incorporating themselves into the larger trade networks of the day. 
In the 1400s, Mombasa became known to be a major port city, and the coastal city of Malindi hosted Zhenghe in the early 1400s and Vasco da Gama late in the same century. In the 16th century, the Omani Empire from Oman Mm -hmm. conquered the Swahili coast and enslaved people to work on the plantations of Oman as well as selling enslaved people to the Portuguese since the transatlantic slave trade was being disrupted by the British abolitionist movement at the time. In the 1700s, the Maasai people conquered a large amount of what is now modern Kenya, but then colonialism settled its jaws around the region in the 1800s. Colonialism never improves anything. No, colonialism ruins everything. Yep. Um, Now, this particular area was sort of split between the Germans and the British. Okay. Germany... Germany had acquired a large section of mainland eastern Africa in the Great Lakes region, and they had claimed that as their own, encompassing modern Tanzania, Rwanda, and Burundi. Mm -hmm. Now, the Sultan of Zanzibar, the remnant of that Omani empire, protested, so Otto von Bismarck sent some warships to aim cannons at his palace until he gave up his claim. Um, Yeah. It worked, surprisingly. Uh, Now, Britain had major commercial interests in the coastal area of modern Kenya, so rather than go to war with Germany, and again, this is a very simplified explanation, (laughs) could qualify as its own disaster, uh, the Germans and the British signed a treaty dividing the land up into German East Africa and British East Africa. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Uh, Shortly after that, Britain then declared that Zanzibar was now its protectorate. Zanzibar said, no, we're not. And after the Anglo-Zanzibar War of 1896, which lasted for 38 minutes on the morning of August 27th, the British had established their East African territory. I'm sorry. Are we just going to sail past the 38-minute war? Could you go into that a little bit? We're just going to sail right past it. We don't have time. There's too many lions to talk about It only about took today. 37 minutes. How much time do we need to describe it? It took it took 38 minutes, but the, the events leading up to it and after it are just some real prime colonization nonsense. So I'm making some notes gonna, in our schedule for season three, yeah, just so you're aware. We, we should probably drop that in. Okay. Anyway. So the most important thing for the colonizing powers to do next was to establish dominance over the African Great Lakes region. And the best way to do that was to build a railroad. Sure. So the British needed to build one fast, and they planned it to stretch all the way from Mombasa to Kisumu on the shores of Nyanza Lake, which is also called Lake Victoria and Lake Nalubale in Uganda. And what do we have in between those two points? Is it savanna, jungle, desert? It's jungle. It's it's a lot. There's basically a lot of biomes between them. Um, But it's all Kenya, and it's all pretty neat stuff. A lot of it is jungle. Okay. Now, from the beginning, the construction of the railway had problems. Public support was low among the British people for building a railway in a continent that most of them would never visit. Shocking. uh, Until it was reframed as striking a blow against the Eastern African slave (laughs) trade, uh, which to be fair, it, it did actually do. Uh, And so then public support was raised. Workers were brought in from British India. Mm -hmm. And shortly after recruitment began, a plague broke out in India, delaying the workforce until quarantine camps could be set up. A worker had to sign a three-year contract at 12 rupees per month. Oh, boy. Now, that included free rations and travel costs back home when their contract ended. So that's actually pretty decent. I did the modern equivalent. You know I was going to. Uh, And it works out to about $120 a month plus rum and board. That's not Which is, great. It's a fairly... Okay, but these guys are working like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Is that the arrangement? These guys are 
doing absolutely backbreaking building a railroad working. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say they deserve more. Uh, yeah, of course they deserved more, but they weren't going to get offered more. Oh. Uh, in a fairly generous for the day offer, mm-hmm. if you were hospitalized, you still would receive half wages and free medical care. So that's pretty nice. Oh. Now, between its beginning in 1895 and its completion in 1903, about two and a half thousand workers died constructing the railway. Jeez. Okay. Even with and the it, free health care. I know. Okay. And a decent number of those happened as they built a bridge across the Tsavo River. Hmm. So, in March of 1898, the crew began to construct a railway bridge to cross the Tsavo. Now, at this time, bridge construction was slow and dangerous enough work without having to do it in Africa, Uh where the lions live. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So... Savo lions in particular are not cute and cuddly. They tend to be very large, from two and a half to three meters long. That is too big for a cat. That's okay? too big, yeah. I'm going to agree about with About nine you. feet long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't have manes. Hmm. Whether due to the heat of the area or as a response to the thorny vegetation, they are completely maneless. So they're just like giant cats. Yes. Okay. And Horrifying. there's some suspicion that Savo lions may have more testosterone than other species, which might explain their aggressive behavior. Okay. All right. Now, the bridge construction was a special project, so the British Army sent in Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson. They brought him in to oversee the bridge construction, and he hadn't been out there for two days when the killings began. So he's the murderer. Yes, that, that is definitely where we We're solved it. All right. Uh, The Tsavo lions attacked at night, dragging people out of their tents. Uh. Workers began to disappear, and while foul play was suspected at first, all that changed when Ungan Singh was killed about three weeks later. So, Ungan Singh was a Sikh Jemadar, equivalent to a second lieutenant or a platoon leader, Mm -hmm. and he was a powerfully built man, well-respected by the workers and the British officers alike. Around midnight on March 25th, a lion entered the camp, stuck his head into the tent Ungan Singh shared with six other men, buried his teeth into his head and shoulder, oh. and dragged him out while his terrified tentmates could only listen. Uh, Singh fought back as the lion killed him, but as one of the workers recounted to Patterson, quote, was he not fighting a lion, end quote. Ugh. Yeah. So these are not the um, kind of lions who are, like, cautious around humans. Nope. Not even a little. So Patterson set off to track down the lion and recover what he could have seen. As you would. When he found where the lion had finally stopped to eat, he found the body torn to pieces, evidently by two lions fighting over the kill. Mm -hmm. And the body had been beheaded with Singh's eyes still staring and terrified. Mm. Wait, wait, wait. Were they eating it? Or just not when they found them. It. No, they they they'd eaten they'd eaten what they wanted to eat of it and okay. left the rest by the time Patterson and his group found oh, it. Oh man. Okay. So these were not starving lions who were desperate to eat. Oh, they they definitely ate him. Right, but, but they they weren't attacking humans because they were starving. I guess is my question. Well, there's a lot of conjecture about why they they were attacking, and we'll get into that more more towards the end. Okay. But um, this the honest answer like is we don't really know. It's not normal lion behavior. It doesn't sound like normal lion behavior, does it? Yeah. Just want to make that so, point. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Patterson buried the body, but he had to bring the head back to camp to be properly identified. Mm-hmm. So that must have been an awful trip. Don't like that. Uh, the next night, Patterson set himself up in a tree. Now, Patterson had been a fairly accomplished tiger hunter when he was in India. Okay. So... 
he put himself up in a tree nearby Singh's tent, armed with his 303 rifle and a 12-bore double-barreled shotgun loaded with shot and ball, mm-hmm. and waited. Shortly after sunset, he heard roars coming from the grasslands, but they would always fade away before they'd reach the light of the bonfires. Okay. Nothing but silence until screams erupted from the nearby railhead camp and another man had been dragged away. I hate this so much. Patterson set up another trap the next night, tying a goat to the base of a tree and waiting above to shoot. But again, the lions ignored him and struck a different camp, killing another worker. They don't like goats. I think we've established this. The workers were spread out over a distance of about eight miles on either side of the river. Oh, geez. Okay. So the lions had adapted their tactics to take people from different camps each night. With no pattern or regularity to the attacks, Mm -hmm. they ignored the traps and poisons and just took workers at will. This is so upsetting. It's it's real bad. Uh, Efforts to track them back to their den were futile because the terrain was dense and rocky and jungly. Mm -hmm. And once they'd finished eating, they basically left no trace. Okay. One night, a lion came after Patterson himself, moving right up to the opening of his tent while he slept, but for whatever reason, left without attacking him. So we're going to get into what the workers did to try to keep themselves safe. They constructed these things called boma, which are basically fences of thorn bushes Mm -hmm. that grow there. They would hang oil cans on ropes to act as a warning alarm. Very smart. And they would keep these large bonfires stoked all night. Mm -hmm. The lions would jump the thorn fences. They'd ignore the fire. They didn't care if the oil cans started rattling. When workers would throw flaming sticks at them, they just kind of ignored it. And when they got shot at by the guards, they just kind of ignored it. Oh, boy. Yikes. One of the worst attacks happened when they attacked the hospital camp one night, mm. mauling two workers and dragging a third one off to eat. Patterson then ordered the hospital camp to be moved closer to the main encampment mm-hmm. with a stronger, thicker boma around it. Um, Patterson staked out the old hospital camp, hoping for the lions to come back for more easy food, and was horrified when he heard screams coming from the new camp. Oh, no. A lion had snaked under the boma, Uh. stuck its head under the hospital tent, and dragged a man out by his foot. Finding his way blocked by the boma, the lion simply went through it, leaving shreds of the man in the thorns. Nope. 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 They moved the hospital camp again, and this time Patterson set up an ambush at the new camp. He and one of the doctors uh, waited in a wagon outside of the Boma. Mm -hmm. That same doctor had been stalked earlier that day by one of the lions, and neither man's nerves were super good while they waited in the dark for the lion to come. Oh, why was that? Uh, You know, it's a little nerve-wracking. A little after midnight, the lion suddenly appeared... Having been stalking around their wagon for a while, figuring out their position inside it, and it leaped right for them. Both men fired, and the lion retreated. They discovered in the morning that Patterson's shot had hit it. The doctor's Mm -hmm. shot had missed. But no dead lion. It had just waltzed off with, you know, shot in it. Mm -hmm. Whatever traps were set, the lions avoided. Whatever ambushes were made, the lions just attacked elsewhere. For a few months, they disappeared. Are we sure these are lions? This is just not lion behavior. (laughs) For a few months, they disappeared. Mm -hmm. But later, it was revealed that they had simply been attacking villages during this time instead of the railroad workers' camps. Yeah. In September, they reappeared, grabbing workers who'd been sleeping outside, figuring that the lions had moved on. Mm. And what's worse is the lions seem to work as a pair now. Sharing the kill and often eating no further than 30 yards from the camps. Just 
ignoring the shots that the Jemadar would fire at them in the dark. Mm -hmm. Their hunting tactic is brilliant, okay? So, and, and it would work on animals as well as humans. Okay. Um, what they do is, as they're approaching, they roar loudly. Uh-huh. And then they go silent. So they roar, they scare the crap out of you, and then they just wait for either an animal to panic and run, mm-hmm. and then they'll just run them down and, and eat them, or all that silence is them sneaking closer and closer and closer and closer. I hate this. This is shark behavior. This is movie this shark is, behavior. This is movie shark behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hate this so much. Okay. Also, uh, they had learned to slip through the boma silently somehow. Mm. They apparently had figured out how to avoid the armed Jemadar either by recognizing them or by s- the smell of the guns, mm-hmm. which is the more likely of the explanation. Sure. Uh, and they grew more and more brazen. One night, the lion seized a man from the railway station mm-hmm. and ate him so close to Patterson's camp that Patterson was woken up by the crunching of his bones. Oh, jeez. Okay. This yeah. is so much In worse the- than I thought it would be. I. Yeah, hate it's this. bad. Okay. Uh, in the darkness, Patterson couldn't do anything about right. it. Right. Uh, he couldn't. He couldn't shoot at them, and and he knew they wouldn't be scared off. And the guy was dead already, anyway. So, in November, the lions even began to attack together, entering camps at the same time and dragging off workers. Uh, in one horrific case, mm-hmm. they left a still alive man stuck in the thorns of a boma. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he later died of his injuries uh, because it was just too much bother to get him back out uh, for the lions. The people tried. Um, Horrible. Okay. Now, of course, by December, the workers were in full revolt. revolt. Yeah, I would uh, I would quit at right? this point. I love the free health care. I love the meals. A lot of people tried. Yeah. The room mm-hmm. and board, but this is a lot. It's great, but I'm getting eaten by lions. And the pay so... is not great. <laughs> If we're doing a pro-cons list. (laughs) That's going to be a big, bold con (laughs) right there. Lions. So the workers were refusing to work anymore as long as the lions were out there, Uh which seems reasonable Reasonable. to me. Yeah. This was such a big deal. It even got mentioned in Parliament by the Prime Minister at the time. So, Okay. Uh, So Patterson contacted the district officer, who's a man named Whitehead, uh, to come investigate the situation. Mm Mm-hmm. So Whitehead comes in on an open traveling car on the railway tracks, and he is attacked by one of the lions on his way there, killing the sergeant that he'd brought with him, and Whitehead had to take refuge in the train station overnight with deep gouges across his back from where the lion had clawed him. Okay. Yeah. It's such horror movie stuff, right? Like, it's like, here comes the cavalry. Nope, it just ate the cavalry. No, this is like five horror movies. This is the intro horror movie, and then it's the Mm -hmm. revenge, and then it's the Mm -hmm. return of the revenge, and then it's (laughs) the revenge of the return of the revenge. This is... All they needed was, like, a slow pan out, and you realize there's one lion cub still there, shaking his little paw at uh, at the humans. Anyway. This is so horrifying. Okay. So Patterson got reinforcements, finally, uh, from the Sepoys and the local police, and he finally had one of his traps meet with success. Uh, It was essentially a large box with bait inside and, you know, a slam trap door. Okay. So the lion goes in, grabs the bait, the bars slam down, and then the Sepoys can just open fire on the unable-to-escape lion, right? Proverbial fish in a barrel. Is the bait a person? No, the bait is like a goat, I think. Okay. The trap door slammed shut. Patterson's like, yes, we got him. Open fire. Mm -hmm. They are literally no more than five feet away from this lion. 
they open fire on the lion and none of the shots hit it, but instead shatter the bars, allowing it to pounce its way through the group and escape over a hill. Do we know for sure that this is a lion? (laughs) This is why they called them the darkness and the ghost. They would just, like, there were multiple instances of workers pulling Patterson aside being like, you're you're not really going to shoot it, right? You know bullets won't hurt it. Over the next few days, they tracked the lion, Mm -hmm. but they were always a step behind it, and eventually the Sepoys had to be redeployed, and Whitehead had to return. Mm -hmm. With his gorges. Yeah. With his his, (laughs) excellent story. story. (laughs) Yeah. That's what that's about. That guy's drinking for free for the rest of his life. He's coming to my dinner parties, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Whitehead, tell us about the lion story. Well. (laughs) Tell me, Mr. Whitehead, what's the most scared you have ever been? I do declare I stepped out on the street and saw an automobile nearly strike a person. (laughs) All right. On December 9th, the lions attacked one of the camps by the river Mm -hmm. and failing to get a person, they contented themselves with eating one of the donkeys. As soon as the screams happened, Patterson grabbed his rifle and tried to catch it before it could finish his meal. Mm -hmm. But upon seeing him, it snarled and disappeared back into the bush. Uh, Patterson sent all the workers to grab oil cans and pots and pans and descend on the forest where it had gone Mm -hmm. to try to flush it out towards him. And sure enough, they flushed the lion out into a clearing and Patterson had a clear shot at it and his gun misfired. Yeah, it did. What were you expecting? Right? Right? (laughs) Come on, Patterson. Of course it did. Uh, The lion charged him and Patterson fired the other barrel of of the gun, Mm -hmm. which did fire. Okay. Uh, striking the lion, and the lion turned and escaped again. Of course. Now, Patterson noticed, however, that it hadn't finished eating the donkey, particularly the choicest parts of it, okay? Mm -hmm. So with no better plan, he built a makeshift tree stand above where the donkey lay and waited for nightfall. And for once, the lion actually did what you would expect it to do. It, It came back. Okay. But... It was refusing to approach the donkey's corpse, instead started circling Patterson's makeshift tree stand. I mean, you always want to go for the fresh stuff, if you have a choice. Looking right at him, Uh trying to figure out the easiest way to get him down. Nope. Uh, The stand hadn't been constructed for stability, and Patterson realized that if the lion simply leaped at him, the whole stand would come down. Hey, Patterson. Yep. That's what we call... I thought you should have had some hours ago. Yes, several hours ago, my dude. Uh, Eventually, the lion stopped circling and crouched to leap, which is when Patterson fired, hitting it in the chest. It fell back and moved for for cover of brush as Patterson fired again and again and again, Mm -hmm. and then nothing. No sounds from the lion. Patterson spent the rest of the night in the tree Mm -hmm. because he's not a horror movie protagonist. (laughs) He didn't come down again until the sun came up, and then... He's tracking the blood. Mm-hmm. He turns a corner and lying as if to pounce, he finds the lion. It is dead. Really? So they can be killed? Yes. Okay. Its skin was scarred from forcing itself through the boma thorns. I'm going to guess this had a bunch of nasty scars. Oh, yeah, yeah. It had bullet holes and everything else. It measured nine feet, eight inches long. Nope. That is... Too big for a lion, sir. And three feet, nine inches high. No. 
It took eight men to get the lion's body back to camp. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I hate this oversized, <laughs> super smart lion. I hate it so much. Very, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan. It doesn't seem right. <clears throat> However, uh, if the other lion was bothered by the death of its compatriot, it didn't show it. Uh, a few nights after Patterson had killed the first lion, the other walked right up onto the porch of the district inspector's home. Mm-hmm. He thought it was a drunk worker and yelled at it to go away. Did it? It didn't. Huh. Uh, it, he didn't come out. If he had gone to like open the door to yell at the drunk worker, the lion would have eaten him right then and there. But since he didn't come out, the lion had to uh, settle for eating his goats. Okay. Yep. The workman had taken to sleeping in trees at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because that's where I would you? be. And on December twenty seventh, the lion attempted to drag a man down out of the tree. Okay. Patterson was woken up by the man screaming and fired into the air to drive the lion off since the night was too dark to draw an accurate shot. Mm -hmm. The lion did leave the man, but spent the entire night growling from the tall grasses and bushes waiting for somebody to slip and fall. So that's fun. I'm sure everyone slept super well. Yeah, I was going to say everybody got a full eight hours that night. Yep. Oh yeah, they were they were woke up feeling hearty and ready to keep constructing a railroad the next day. Uh, okay. Now the next night, mm-hmm. Patterson set a trap using himself as bait. I mean, that's a pretty bold move. It's 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 the, definitely the action hero move. Yeah. We moved into the action hero part of the uh, part of the horror movie now. I don't hate this. So he climbed up the tree that the lion had attacked the previous night, mm-hmm. and he waited. Okay. Sometime around midnight, the lion began to circle the tree. Now, Patterson didn't wait for it to start thinking about jumping, so he fired and he hit it in the chest. Okay. It turned and ran back into the jungle, and Patterson comes down out of the tree and pursues it. This is his stupid horror movie protagonist moment. Yeah, this is going into the basement to see yep. what the noise is about. Yep. Uh, I don't like this. Right up until this, I was with him, but uh, yep. he's lost me now. Okay. He nearly runs into it, uh-huh. finding it facing him in a small clearing. Mm. As it charges him, mm-hmm. he fired again and was lucky enough to hit it in a leg and break one of its bones. Okay. okay. So one of its legs is broken and it still comes after him, but now mm. it's slowed down. Right. So he's barely able to climb a nearby tree. The way he talks about it, it's sort of like the claws, like he could feel the claws tear through the back of his shirt, kind of barely escape. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, He fires again and twice more into the body of the lion, and it collapses a few yards away from the foot of the tree. Hmm. Patterson comes down and again, because this is apparently what all horror movie monsters are based on. It got back up and lunged at him again. However, because Patterson was not an idiot, he kept his gun trained on it the entire time he came down. Mm -hmm. So as soon as it lunged at him, he fired directly into its eye. And the lion collapsed, still biting at the air. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, this second lion measured nine feet, six inches long. Mm -hmm. So a, a little bit less long but was nearly four feet tall. Again, that is oversized for a lion. I just want to say for the record, that is too large. (laughs) If you are that that size and a lion, I don't want to hang out with you. 
All right, that's that seems a little sizest, Ella. I don't care. I think you need to set a firm boundary <laughs> at some point. I'm okay with a small lion. I'm okay with a, a dead lion. I'm not okay with a giant, super smart giant, lion. Fairly intelligent lion. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. Not. It's not great, my dudes. Do they come in that size right. and they're kind of like bumbling and clumsy and friendly and they eat mice and rats? I would. I sure. Yeah, sure. Even then, yeah, I think it, it's just too like big. A, like a cartoon lion. It's too big. Yeah, but this is too large. Okay. This is too large. Unfortunately, it's not known how many people the two lions actually killed. Mm. Uh, Patterson reported three different figures. Um, <laughs> he can account for at least 28 workers. Okay. And then a further seven, like, support staff mm-hmm. kind of things. So he, he guesses about 35, but based on the frequency of attacks and the fact that, he, you know, people had disappeared before he got there and it wasn't always easy to keep track of every every single worker, mm-hmm. he estimated that they killed around 135 because... There are no records to show how many Native Africans and unaccounted workers mm-hmm. that they had also eaten or just killed and left there. Yeah. Doesn't that seem like it just doesn't make sense for the food chain? Like, that's so many people. People are dangerous. They're hard to kill. And they're bony. Why? They are. They, why? Yeah. I just don't understand this. Shouldn't they be going after giraffes and zebras yeah. and prey yep. animals? One would think, but... Then again, you're right. It becomes a question of behavior. Why did these two lions attack so many people when there's plenty of more traditional lion food running around, right? right? So some people studying the remains discovered dental damage in one tooth belonging to one of the lions Mm -hmm. and postulated that due to having a damaged tooth, they needed to prey on softer, easier to catch meat. (laughs) Now, there's a hole in that theory. Okay. Patterson claimed that he had injured that tooth. Uh-huh. And also one toothache in one lion doesn't necessarily explain why both of them developed a taste for people. Well, you want to have lunch with your friends, you know? It's true. You want to eat it's at true. the same cafe. You want to share bites. <laughs> I can see that, actually. You want to just get together for some gossip with the friends and then, you know, split a human. Habitat encroachment okay. is a much more likely explanation. Sure, they're building a railroad put, through yep, these Right guys through living their room. living room, okay. you know? If somebody put an all-you-can-eat buffet in your living room, why would you ever go food shopping again, right? Another possible motive, and this one I really like. So you remember the East African slave trade? Yep. They had built this railroad in part to help disrupt that. Well, they'd been caravanning enslaved people up through that region for a long time. And if the enslaved people happened to die along the way, they'd just leave them. Okay. So there were reports of lions following the caravans like seagulls following cruise ships hate that image thank you very much eating what's left over oh yeah so it's entirely possible that the Tsavo lions developed a taste for humans that way as well okay this just gets worse and worse doesn't oh sure it? but they're but they're dead now um wait so... okay this is like a okay but these are not the only two lions in existence right they are absolutely not. And Savo lions are still out there and still eating people from time to time today. So uh, usually only when food gets scarce right. and usually only single people who are, you know, alone and uh, have no quick way of escape. Right. But if you live there, 
or are moving through there, you are re-entering their food chain. So that's a big part of it, really. So what's sort of interesting mm-hmm. after the deaths of the lions, what do you do with with two big lions after you've been a British hunter Ooh. Uh, killing them in Africa? Ooh, I know the answer to this. What's that? You make rugs. Exactly. He turned them into rugs. Did he really? Oh, my God. <laughs> he did. Yep. <laughs> And then he stepped on them every single day and he said, gotcha, every single day. Gotcha, time. I win. Yeah, no, he, he, he had them turned into rugs. Oh my God. Okay. On a trip to Chicago mm-hmm. in 1924, he went to the Chicago Field Museum. And after leaving there, he agreed to sell them the rugs for $5,000, which is actually a huge chunk of money in 1924. Sure. I will say, though, those lions were a lot of work to get. Those rugs were very, very expensive. (laughs) One of a kind. One of a kind. Two of a kind. The Chicago Field Museum taxidermied them Mm -hmm. and put them on display. They're in a nice little diorama. You can see them. However, Mm. the displayed lions are much smaller than their living counterparts. I feel like making something into a rug always kind of shrinks it a little bit. That's exactly it. it? Their skin had been ruined and distorted from being rugs for 25 years. So when they, when they moved them over the frames, they, they look very small in the Chicago field museum diorama. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we have photographs of them when they were dead? We do. There are photographs of them because Patterson wrote his book and he included a lot of pictures in it. Yeah, he did. And, these were giant animals. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really stress how big they are until you see a picture of Patterson um, sitting with, I think it's the first lion, mm-hmm. and they're using these sticks to prop up its head because a person can't really lift it easily. And he's sitting beside it and looks like he's half its size. Again, this is a shark movie. <laughs> It's land yes. sharks. These are not lions. These are land sharks. Yes, these are land sharks. That's exactly it. Land movie sharks. Yes, displaying no behaviors actually attributed to any shark in the wild. I mean, this these is are... just so wild. Right? It's bizarre. It sounds it's fictional, I have to say. I would not be surprised if you told me that Henry Patterson made this whole thing up and it was just to sell his book. But if he has photographs and there are corroborating he's got, stories. Yeah. He's got photographs. He's got the corroborating stories. He's got the, he's got the Mr. Whitehead with the, with the scars across his back. Don't like that. Nope. Um, Don't pick any of yeah, this, these, Greg. This is horrifying. The, I'm never going to sleep again. I'm certainly not adopting a cat now. <laughs> Now that I know they have the potential to evolve into nine-foot-long killing machines. Well, that does take quite a while. So a couple of interesting postscripts here. Yeah, please. Uh, John Henry Patterson was uh, Irish. Uh And during the First World War, he was put uh, in charge of the Jewish Legion, Mm -hmm. which was a branch of the British military. Uh, It was the unofficial name for the five battalions of Jewish volunteers of the Royal Fusiliers in the British Army Mm -hmm. to fight in the First World War and has been described as the godfather of the modern Israel Defense Forces. Interesting. uh, For whipping them into into shape. I mean, he seems like he would have had a really strategic mind and a love of (laughs) creating a lot of damage with weapons, different weapons. Mm-hmm. I can, he was pretty good about that's it. Actually, he, he was a career military guy. Yeah. He really was. 
I can I can see that. Okay. So he died at 79 years old in 1947. That is a lot longer than I thought he would have lived when we were uh, beginning this story. Uh, it's certainly a lot longer than he thought he would have lived when the lion was trying to climb the tree after him. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the final note is about uh, the railway itself. Mm-hmm. So is it still there? Sort of. Okay. The expense of it did not endear it to the British people, uh, particularly the people in Parliament. Uh-huh. Uh, but they also kind of viewed it at, through the sunk cost fallacy. Well, we have to finish it now. And there was also uh, the Nandi resistance mm-hmm. during basically the beginning of the 1900s mm-hmm. that disrupted the railroad as well uh, until their leader was, you know, killed. Yep. It became a, a rail for safari tourism and in fact when theodore roosevelt began his world famous safari in 1909 he started it on this railway on the uganda railway did he try to kill a lion i'm sure he did he was he was there to kill lots of things he wanted to get rugs yep now after independence after kenya had finally become its own place again Mm -hmm. The railway kind of fell apart. It's still there. Mm-hmm. You can still follow the rail line, but it's very overgrown now. It's passed through a lot of owners and finally stopped running in 2017. Greg, how likely are you to go for a hike along these railroad tracks? Not not likely at all, because this is where the lions live. I was just thinking. We've been over this. <laughs> This is one place I absolutely do not want to visit during my time here on Earth. So they are. Uh, there is a joint uh, effort between Uganda and Kenya mm-hmm. to attempt to modernize it and bring it back. And hopefully they do, because it seems like, if nothing else, it would be a really, really gorgeous train ride. Sure. So, But is this land protected now? Is it National Park? Or is it yes, kind of under development? Yes, a big part of it, the old rail line does travel through what is now the Tsavo West National Park mm-hmm. in the coast province of Kenya. And they built a huge fence around it to keep the lions in, and none of the lions nope. ever got into any trouble ever again. The end. Yay. No. No. It is a protected area where they have eastern black rhinoceroses. Mm-hmm. The Cape Buffalo live there, leopards, lions, elephants, the Maasai giraffe. All the good stuff. Heart beasts. Yeah, great stuff. There are some really amazing cliffs that you can climb. Mm -hmm. You have to obtain a very special permit. Yeah, I bet they have quite a waiver. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Not just that. But because the land is so strictly protected, even getting permission to climb there or camp by the Tsavo River Mm -hmm. or... I'm sorry. Are people still camping by the Tsavo River? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are. And it is under the authority of the Kenya Wildlife Service. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is apparently, from all from all accounts, it is an absolutely incredible stick stick to the roads, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> or the trees. Yeah, or the trees. Well, then the leopards just get you if you're in the trees. Uh, shoot. Okay. Eh, you know, a, a little bit of of the black mark on it here is that uh, the Orma and Maasai uh, and Wata people were living there mm-hmm. uh, but when they declared it a national park they were uh, relocated don't love that so, okay uh, hunting is banned in the park okay just to be clear uh, hunting uh, by lions 
or I think they humans. just mean human okay, hunting. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of, a little bit of fine but, print there. But uh, you can still go shoot some animals as long as it's only with a camera. Ah, I see what you there did you there. Go. And that's it. So for a period of about nine months, two lions killed a ton of people and uh, sleep tight. Great time to go camping. Yep. Uh, please, if you're in the woods right now listening to this, that sound that you heard was absolutely not a nine foot long lion crouching outside your no. tent, getting ready to eat nope. you by the head. Nope. Couldn't be. Unless you're camping in along the Tsava River, in which case, why are you even listening to us? Why are you listening to us? You've got better things to be listening to. You need something to. more relaxing. I'm just thinking about, like, if we could import, like, low lion growls into this end part here. We would not do that because we are kind <laughs> podcasters. Because we like our listeners. We don't want to scare anyone. We don't want to cause any heart attacks. So that's it. That's the story of the Tsavo lions. Let me ask you about their brains so these lions seem like they were super smart was there any attempt to study like what kind of brains they had in there before they were made into rugs there there was there was no salvaging of any of the internals they salvaged the skulls Mm -hmm. and the skins and that's it the troubling behavior becomes a lot less troubling when you attribute it to these are animals who are very 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 good at killing things it's, right, it's but this purpose. is kind of next level good at killing things, you know? I think part of it is, yeah, and part of it just seems that way. Okay. Because honestly, there's there's definitely, like, they grow up around the, like, the whole thing about them just going through the boma bushes, mm-hmm. like, that stuff is creepy as heck, until you think about the fact that they've lived among boma for their entire life, mm-hmm. so they're they're used to wriggling through thorns if they want what's on the other side of them. Okay, well, I watched a Michael Douglas documentary. Oh, are we going to talk about this one? Uh, yes. I just feel like we should bring it up because that documentary okay. yeah. is not as scary as <laughs> what you just told me. Why is that? I don't know. Um, yes, yeah, so the film that Ella is referring to is the 1996 film The Ghost and the Darkness, which I actually factual. really like. It is a really it good movie. <laughs> about 20% factual. Oh, um, Michael Douglas was but... not doing that? <laughs> Michael Douglas lied to us. Why do you ruin my um, life every time we talk? It's called it's called acting. Okay. Uh, one of the big problems with the film, of course, is that the lions have manes because we need to, as the film audience, recognize them as lions. But maneless lions honestly look a lot scarier. Horrifying. Than like I just absolutely uh-uh, no horrifying. Thank you. Nope. 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 Uh, the film is a, a very fun film as long as you kind of recognize that it is based on the events, mm-hmm. but outright creates a whole bunch of stuff so it's fine it's a good movie i like it i just am not used to the real story being scarier than oh sure the michael douglas version (laughs) the val kilmer version yeah uh great i hate it never going outside again (laughs) thank you for that this is all this is all part of my get ella to never go outside again i'm so close to staying Uh. inside forever well, I wanted to do back-to-back beast episodes. So you certainly you did, Greg. You certainly do, did. Uh, I believe we had two Javidon beasts where people fired yep. on them and... Uh, and it did nothing. Did nothing, yeah. When they recovered the lion bodies, they, they were literally, like, pulling bullets out of them. Just like, wow, here's another one. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I, I think the final count was they shot the first one something like nine times, and the second one had been shot something like 11. I might have those numbers wrong, but it was it was too many bullets. Yeah, that's... 
That's an absurd number of bullets. <laughs> In the movie, they only get shot once and they drop. <laughs> right. Because that's how it's supposed to work. That makes right. more sense. Okay. That was horrifying. And uh, thanks a lot. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. Very scary, though. <laughs> I enjoyed it in a scary way. Although we gave you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available on our show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by emailing us at relative.disasters at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to shame us publicly, we love that. why not use our Instagram, at relative.disasters. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Relative Disasters. We hope you've enjoyed the story and the discussion. And please join us next time for another strange, dangerous, and hopefully interesting event from history. My sister has selected our next disaster. What's it going to be, Ella? Hopefully interesting. You know my episodes are always interesting. Your episodes are always interesting. <laughs> it's mine I worry about. So I went to a party recently four glasses of wine in I met a woman and she asked me if I had any weird habits and I was like yeah I have a disaster podcast with my brother and she goes oh well have you done an episode on TMI and I said madam we have TMI on all of our episodes I was gonna say yeah hold on right and uh, she said no TMI TMI you got to do an episode on TMI and I was like okay well what is TMI and she goes Three Mile Island, come on. And I said, was that a disaster? Oh, and she said, you've, yes, never, you've never read about it? And I was like, anyway, it's, I uh, It's one I of those things it. that sort of floats out there <laughs> in like the public consciousness. We're like, oh, yeah, Three Mile Island. Yeah, we know about so that. So my, I guess my internal understanding of Three Mile Island is that it could have been bad, but it really wasn't. And it wasn't a huge <laughs> deal. And uh that's not yep. the case. It was a lot worse. No. no. <laughs> so in the interest of any other clueless yeah. people out there who think that Three Mile Island was not a big deal, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Oh, that sounds like an amazing disaster. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. Mm-hmm.